0: Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin.
1: All right, well, um, I did call the Moors this morning, I got no answer. So I don't have an update from them. So continue to pray for them. Um, They certainly have a lot going on. Um, I also called Jacob Rutledge this morning. Uh, He didn't answer, which you know Sunday morning trying to talk to a pastor is a difficult thing. So, so I had no real expectation that he would answer. But I know he's got a lot going on right now. They're doing some traveling right now. Um, he's supposed to be with us May 5th. And I say he's supposed to be. I haven't. I don't have any indication he won't be. I just know he's got a lot going on right now and some decisions to make that could drastically change their lives. So pray for him. Um, public ministry went really well yesterday. Uh, on a warm day, man, it starts picking up. People driving by. I mean, there are a lot of cars driving by, honking, waving. Still a very positive reception. Um, I, I do look forward to more people walking on the street eventually that we can hopefully engage with and, and talk with. And I'm sure that will come. This is just this time of year, it gets cold. Nobody wants to be out and about and they just want to be at home. <laughs> and um, so uh, yesterday was a good day, went really well. Uh, Miss Phyllis sent me a text. Second Saturday starts March 9th. So need to make some decisions about how we're going to handle that. Um you know the ministry I was telling you about with the possibility of going to Walmart could also work at, on on second Saturdays, where if 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 they would allow us, if that's approved by them, I guess I don't know what their requirements are, but uh, to have a booth where we just give away Bibles and talk to people, and um, I could I could make some write ups about the church, about salvation, all those good things, and try to have some prints printouts there that we can give to people. Um, it could be a good opportunity to, to minister to, to people who come. Now, you would know better than I do, the people who come, who visit Second Saturday, are they mostly from out of town coming to see what's being sold, or is it mostly people from this area? This area. Okay. Yeah. All right. If it's people from this area, it, it would really be worthwhile. It'd be worthwhile either way, but if people from this area would really be worthwhile because it gives give us an opportunity to talk to people and uh, say hello and spend a little time out and about around people. Uh, also, there's a citywide yard sale March 9th. You know, the funny thing about yard sales is that people get all, they dig out all their stuff to sell, and then they go buy stuff from other people. It's like, what? Well, what was the purpose of getting rid of the stuff you had? if You're just going to go and buy a whole bunch more stuff. So, All right, church work day, March 30th, uh, 9 a.m., uh, if you know of anything that needs to be fixed, worked on, looked at, upgraded, painted, fixed, you know, any of that stuff, not broke, <laughs> let me know. Give me a list. And uh, I want to start making a collection of things. Did, was there something? I've got a list. I oh, okay. i, I got to have help doing it. I want to uh, insulate those pipes under there. And then I've got 10 that can be cut and put them outside the block building. okay yeah well see. yeah it, it's no problem we can we could probably do that um, that thing that building is the you know anyways <laughs> it's it's existence it's a blessing to have it is I mean it's nice to be able to go back there and spend time together but I I would prefer us to be in something a little more
0: Let's, let's
1: do no, it. no problem, yeah. Well, we'll, well, we can do that. We, we got to take care of it while we got it. So we, just give me a list of things that you would like to have done or that you think need to be done. And um, uh, I want to replace the mailbox, and I want to replace the lights and the foyer and then the bathrooms. Um, and then there are a couple other things that we'll be making on our list. So just give me a list so we can go ahead and make it. We may not get to everything, On Saturday, but we'll do everything we can and knock out as much as we can and just keep improving the church together as we go. All right. Uh, Mark Waddington will be with us Sunday, March 24th uh, from Rock of Ages. Uh, I, I think he plans to be with us. Here in all three services, um, he will be giving us an update at uh, I haven't decided yet whether I'm going to have him preach or not, but Sunday morning the Sunday morning service he will at least at a minimum be giving us an update. I may have him give us an update and, and have him preach for us. It would be a blessing to hear from him so he's got a he's got a cool accent, so you know it just his wife <laughs> yeah well, I haven't talked to his wife we don't really <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what is it?
0: It does a great
1: English tea. No, for I'll leave that to you. So, um, so it'd be a blessing to have them. It'd be neat to hear what's going on with them. Um, I haven't heard from Miss Vicky, but continue to pray for her brother-in-law uh, She's going through quite a few things. I haven't talked to my sister. Okay. Just keep praying for them. There's quite a bit going on there, so keep them in prayer. Yes, ma'am. My client, Kermit Smith, is having surgery. He had hernia surgery in 2016, and now he's acting up again, so he has to
0: have another surgery
1: for the same thing, and he's 70 years old. Mm. Okay. And my son. Do you know from what, what the...
0: Depression, anxiety, um, not
1: okay. eating right. All right. He's not happy where he is, but he was going to uh, to another place, and he's not happy there, so I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing about those situations is it's it's not the place. It's it's the heart and the mind. So uh, so just keep him in prayer. I know that has weighed on Miss Phyllis a lot. And she's tried her best to help him, but it's hard to help somebody who's not quite ready for help yet. So, uh, pray that the Lord will intervene and help him in the areas where.
0: He was young,
1: but he's far from it. Then, in that way. Amen. All right, we'll keep him in prayer. It's a blessing to be here this morning. Uh, it's a blessing to be with you. Glad you are here. There many places you could have been and uh, could have gone and and uh i am thankful i don't take for granted or take light that you chose to be here with us and uh it, it is a it is a blessing and hope that as we've been studying the book of romans that it has been a help to you and a blessing to you and and that it has served to increase your knowledge and faith and grounding you know the um the Bible goes on and on about our strength in Christ being founded in our knowledge of God and our knowledge of Christ. And, of course, that comes from the Word of God. That's the only place to go to get it. And um, and so it's important that we take this time and go through some of these things. Now, last, last service, was that Wednesday night? I was here. Were you here? <laughs> <laughs> If you're not here now, let me know. it <laughs> will help me. Um, I just, you know. Anyways, it all runs together. But um, we talked about we we preached on not being ashamed of the gospel of Christ this morning. Um, we're gonna we're gonna look at a similar idea from a different perspective. Instead of the the, the negative, Paul said, "I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ." Today, we're going to look at it from from a different perspective, being ashamed, not being ashamed. Today, we're going to look at it from from being ashamed. But we're also going to look through, we're going to go through verse 16 uh, and take it step by step. We'll we'll look at some things from verses 16 through 18 and uh, see what all we can gather from these passages. For now, let's read verses 16 through 17 and uh, see what the Lord has for us. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith now this is this is where we, we noted last in our last service how that we're transitioning away from the niceties Paul Paul, Paul introduces himself Tells them who he is, where he's from, what he's about. He separated the gospel. Well, what is that gospel? Well, it pertains to his God's Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Then he begins to explain the gospel. He begins to explain his relationship to Jesus Christ, how he has separated to Christ, and then and then he turns all that and links him to them. So, based on your faith in this same Jesus. This is what connects us together. This is this is why you should listen to me. This is why I'm concerned about you. This is why I want to impart some knowledge to you. This is why I, I there's something in my heart about you. And it's because of your faith in Jesus Christ. It's our faith in Jesus Christ. And so together, together, I want to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to impart this knowledge to you. But then we get down to verses 16 and 17. Now we're transitioning away from the introduction or introductions. Who is Paul? Who is Jesus Christ? Who are you at Rome? What does all this mean about us together? Now it's going to start getting instructive, and we talked about Paul not being ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He was very clear about that. He's very bold about that. We looked at several places regarding that all through the New Testament last last service last last Wednesday. But th- this is what we're venturing into. Paul is about to deal with the realities of a depraved country and city. And he's writing to this church and he's going to start by dealing with Gentile issues. That's what you have in chapter one. You're a Gentile church. You have Jews there. Praise the Lord, no problem. There's nothing wrong with that. And and, and, and you understand what I mean. When you trust in Jesus Christ, which we will talk about this evening, Lord willing, when you trust in Jesus Christ, you leave the attachment to your flesh. But you still exist in the area, most likely, where your flesh came from. <laughs> All right, so I, I was born in America. I was born in Memphis, Tennessee. And so I'm not far removed from where my flesh came from. And so I am dealing with the problems around me that come from people who have, who have a similar birth, from a similar place. Their first birth and so there are things that we will have to deal with in Memphis, Tennessee. There are things you'll have to deal with in Loosedale, Mississippi, in Mobile, Alabama, in Atlanta, Georgia. And then, and then as America as a whole, there are issues that we have to deal with that you might not have to deal with in, say, Uganda. <laughs> and you get a whole different set of issues that you never thought you would have to deal with when you get to Uganda. And, and, and a Ugandan could never imagine They could never imagine meeting a man who thinks he's a woman. It just doesn't exist in their culture, in their society. In fact, fact, it's punishable by life in prison to be caught in multiple homosexual relationships in Uganda. It It was the death penalty, but Obama threw a fit, so they reduced it to life in prison. And he said, that's it, we're not reducing it anymore. If you don't like that, then take your money somewhere else. And so from, from Obama until now, America and Uganda have had strained relationships because American presidents want to force homosexuality on the world for some reason. They act like it's some kind of strengthening commodity that, that you should take up, and they push it upon people. And, and then these foreign countries who have a more traditional mindset, they're like, no, we don't want that. Get out. We don't want we don't have anything to do with that. And so they end up clashing and having problems. Um, but th- there, there are still a whole nother set of Gentile problems you would have to deal with in Uganda and that we had to deal with when we were there. Fornication still a problem. Well, praise the Lord, you got the homosexual thing worked out. But <laughs> could you get married and be faithful to your wife? <laughs> and not, not by the time you're 20 years old, have three children with three, three four different women? I, I mean, that'd be a good thing as well. Uh, at one time, the United Nations said Uganda was the drunkest nation per capita on the planet. I mean, it'd be pretty good if you got that worked out also. <laughs> All right, you know, praise the Lord, you're not homosexuals. That's good. But could you not be drunkards and fornicators also? All right, so you're going to have a whole different, you know, the, the character of the problems might change slightly, but that, it's it's going to be the same problems. Uh, just Just more of an emphasis on one than another wherever you go. All right. Homosexuality exists in Uganda. It's there, but you just, you're quiet about it. You don't, you don't parade, you don't, you don't go to Orlando and have a parade where homosexuals march through the streets naked openly and everybody's just supposed to be okay with that. And, and that's considered heroic and, and wonderful. And so anyways, let, let's, let's pray and then we'll dive into this and see if the Lord will help us. Father, we sure love you. Thank you for loving us, being so good to us. Thank you for your goodness, your love, your mercy, your grace. Teach us from your word, instruct us from your word, help us from your word, and uh, we'll sure give you all the honor and all the glory you so deserve. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Now, as we progress through these passages in Romans 1, I hope you have noticed the continued focus on Jesus Christ. It's, it's like it's never ending. Uh, you know, I'm Paul, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm here for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't wait to come there and see you so I can preach about Jesus Christ. Um, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I mean, it's just a repeated focus and emphasis on Christ. Now, what's so interesting is as we get to the next portion, he's going to start talking about people who have no focus on Christ. And what does that tend to? What does that lead to? A reprobate mind. People who, who, who are so comfortable with sin and that's where we are in the world today we, we 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 struggle we struggle to get along in this current in this present evil world because at one time this evil world had character <laughs> imagine that now it doesn't and what happens to an evil world that has no character it's it's just going to get out of control it's 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 about to get, buckle up it's about to get wild I mean, you 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 think you think it's bad now? Wait till you see what the next generation has for you. Um, if if this generation could come out and say that that there is no gender, um, and 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 accept all the, you have men walking around with bellies as though they're pregnant, pretending to be pregnant. I mean, I mean, I could get into some other things that just wouldn't be good from the pulpit, but it's it's gotten pretty wild. And you have an entire segment of your population of this country who, who are receiving that and accepting that as though it is heroic and progressive and, and forward thinking. You can go to a doctor today and the doctor will ask you what, what, your, what your preferred pronouns are. What, how, what gender do you identify as? It doesn't matter what gender I identify as. You're a doctor. How are you going to help me if you can't determine my gender? I mean, it's just, there, there are a number of issues. You have men today going to Planned Parenthood to get abortions. That, that is happening. That is absolutely, you're all looking at me shaking your heads like, what? Yeah, yeah. but th- that is absolutely happening. Praise God you live in Loosedale. <laughs> you don't see a lot of that here. Uh, it'll come, give it time. It'll come, but, but right now you just don't see that here. And, and so, so what the point is, Paul is writing to a group of people who love Jesus Christ. And there's a continued focus on Jesus Christ. And for those people, Paul is going to identify the differences between them and people who could care less about God and his word. And when you get to the people who could care less about God and his word, it gets pretty wild. You have no foundation. You have no, you have no access to truth or honesty. And, and if I have a particular sin that I want to cleave to, and I don't want you to judge me about my sin that I enjoy and don't intend to give up, well, then I've got to do you the same favor. And so if my sin is fornication and yours is homosexuality, well, what's the difference? If we just pretend like what each of us is doing is okay... Then, then we can we can theoretically get along and move towards utopia. But the more they move towards utopia, the more death there is, the more rape there is, the more theft there is, the more violence there is. Um, it's not working out the way you thought it was going to work out. You're not moving in a good direction. You're moving in a destructive direction. And and so Paul is, is clearly... He's making a clear distinction between people who belong to Jesus Christ and those who don't, and it's a it's a striking striking difference. the The reality is that when that we benefit from the from the love and goodness of Jesus Christ, the Son of God went so far and gave so much of Himself for our profit. Why would you possibly be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now, as we go through and we see this list. And, and I don't suggest it, but if you go on the internet today and see how the people of this world think and what they're pushing, it should make you run back to the gospel of Christ and cling to it and say, thank you. Not only for saving your soul from hell, I mean, that, that'd be reason enough, but when you see the confusion this world's entered into and that the word of God protects you from that, uh, it, it's, it's, worthwhile. it's worth not being ashamed of. It's worth proclaiming. In fact, a lack of, it being proclaimed is one of the reasons we're in the mess we're in right now. The Word of God is not the foundation anymore. All honor and glory belongs to Jesus. Which part of salvation did you bring into existence? Anybody like to raise their hand and tell God about what they did to earn salvation from Him? I not think so. <laughs> Jesus Christ brought it about. Uh, how, how much of your blood did you shed? Anybody? Anybody? Would any of you like to die for my sins? No. No, it wouldn't do any good. But not only would it not do any good, nobody here wants to do it. Christ did. He was the perfect sacrifice. Uh, how long did you suffer on the cross? Without, without shame, we glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. I am excited about the cross of Jesus Christ. I am bold about the cross of Jesus Christ. I love the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the problem that we have in many of our churches and in our country today. Now, this could be spread worldwide, or you could think of this in the context of the entire world. But here's the problem in America, especially in the South, where we live, in in Mayberry happy little town where hardly anything ever goes wrong. And when it does, it's a broken mailbox. And, and, and you understand what I'm saying. There, there, there are some bad things that happen here, but compared to the rest of America, it's pretty good here. But here's the problem with that. Everybody thinks that because it's pretty good, everybody belongs to God. Everybody belongs to Jesus. And my question is, how did so many people walk past a bloody cross and it never did anything to change their lives? There's those same people, you know, they're people I interact with on a daily basis throughout the week. They all claim to be Christians. Well, not all of them. A few of them are bold in saying that they are not. Um, we won't get into that. As that's, it's, it's, they, One of them is a conservative atheist. How in the world? You are stealing the worldview of so many people. To, to, to arrive at that thought process, it just, it's ridiculous. But, but for those who claim to be Christians, you know, to, I am a Christian. You want to go get a beer after work? No, no, something, there's a disconnect somewhere. I am a Christian. You want to come play some video games with me? No, something happened. You got lost somewhere. You said you came to Calvary. You said you came to the cross and you saw that there was a bloody cross there where your Savior shed his blood for you, How did, where did you go from there? <laughs> did you turn around and go back? Or did you follow on and trust in Jesus Christ? Something happened. There's a disconnect. I glory in the, in the cross of Jesus Christ. These same people will come and boast about movies and video games and I mean all sorts of completely insignificant and 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 things that mean absolutely nothing here or in eternity. But they don't boast about Jesus Christ. I'm just I'm not telling you you're not saved. I'm telling you something's not right. Something is wrong. You might be saved. And you're just a rebellious child of God. That could be. Or you never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. It never made any change in your life. And you need to reconsider this before you end up in serious eternal trouble. There is no salvation or righteousness without the gospel of Christ. Neither of those exist for us without Jesus Christ, without the gospel of Christ. It's not available to us. You have no righteousness. God said about man, there is none righteous, no, not righteous. One. Imagine adding that after that phrase, no, not, one. Because undoubtedly, somebody's going to say, yeah, but I, no, no, not, one. The number one response on the street when you talk to people and you ask them, are you going to go to heaven when you die? Oh, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Oh, good. Why do you think you're going to heaven? I'm a good person. That's interesting because God said, I hear what you're saying, but God said, there is none that doeth good, no, not one. How did you become the only one to do good when God said that there's none that doeth good? And their answer, they just look at you with the confused look, like, well, you don't know how wonderful I am and how good I am. You're right, I don't. I do know how sinful you are, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm 100% clear about that. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. I know you're a liar. Why don't you know it? The reality is you do know it. You just don't want to openly admit it to me. You think that by lying to me, you're going to somehow convince me that you're okay with God. And your testimony is disastrous. Your testimony is telling on you. That's the point of a testimony. Let me hear your your testimony of salvation. Well, you know, I I, I go to church. I'm a Baptist. I'm an independent Baptist. Um, My dad was a pastor. My My mom is a nun. (laughs) Okay, what does any of that have to do with your soul going to heaven when you die? Nothing. But that's what people do. They rattle off this long list about how great I am. The Bible says every man will declare his own goodness. The problem is God said there is none good. None but God. You might want to set your goodness aside and rush after Jesus Christ. Without the gospel of Christ, there is no salvation. There is no goodness. There is no righteousness from God. You don't have any. You're on your way to hell. Why would you make that mistake when, when a solution is available? Now, I want to break down these next three passages Um. They 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 sort of naturally divide themselves with the word for. So let, let's read verses 16 through 18 again together, real quick, and you'll see what I mean. Verse 16: For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So it, it it starts with, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, which we've talked about for two services now. So Paul Paul is openly aligned with the gospel of Christ. You go to Paul, it's not, it's not going to be—I I didn't even know—there's a Super Bowl today. Is that right? Is it today? Yeah, right. So I didn't even know who was playing in the Super Bowl or that there was a Super Bowl until a couple of days ago. Wednesday, I think, so somebody talked. To me, somebody said something about it at work. And then I didn't know who was playing. And then I saw somewhere on, on, a, on TV or, or I was out and about or it popped up on the Internet. Somehow, um, I saw who was playing— and then I couldn't remember who it was <laughs> a day later until we were talking about it later. Now, what's the point? That's just, I don't care. It means nothing to me. I have no interest in those things whatsoever. I don't glory in those things. Um, I glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. Um, the, the, Paul's opening line in this letter, in Romans 1.1, is, is telling people, I am separated unto the gospel. Nothing else, there's nothing between me and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am, I am wholly given to the gospel of Christ. There is nothing between it. And, and that's the way we're supposed to live our lives. That's the example that, that he set. Then it says, for it, the gospel, the gospel of Christ, it is the power of God. That's in verse 16. Now, if you could align your, your life with the power of God, wouldn't you, wouldn't you want to do that? I mean, you consider all your ideas about how powerful you think God is and you can, you can align yourself to the power of God by separating yourself under the gospel. Why wouldn't you do that? And it's the power of God that, that's going to bring about that salvation and, and bring uh, righteousness to people who desperately need it. Now, everything is provided for us. All we have to do is choose to live in unashamed obedience to Jesus Christ. Now that choice is not as easy as we would like it to be sometimes. That that sounds motivational, that sounds reasonable, sounds easy until life starts throwing its weight at you, and then it then it can get pretty obscure. And and you start kind of losing your way in, in in the in the fast-paced storm of it all. Well, you got to step back and realign yourself and make sure I am separated under the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am aligned with the power of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to keep moving in that direction. I'm not, not giving into that. Then it says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed in, in verse 17. And so through the gospel, through the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Now, that, that, there's there's a ton to talk about there. There's a lot to talk about, and, and that's a that's a loaded statement. The sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ reveals the righteousness of God. That's what it shows you. And so we, we'll try and hash that out when we get to verse 17 and try to make more sense of that because there's a lot to talk about there. The Lord cannot forgive sin unless sufficient payment exists. Otherwise, he would be unjust. Now, when when you talk to a Muslim um. And, and you try and ask them, you know, Muslims have a works-based religion. It's so easy to deal with works-based religions because if you're required to keep works, inevitably you're going to fail. And if you failed and your God requires you to keep works, what's going to happen to you? So I, I always ask Muslims, have you prayed five times a day, every single day, your entire life without fail? And of course, they're, they're going to miss at some point. It has to happen. And so they'll all if they're honest, they'll answer and say, Well, no, not not every time, every day. But your God requires that. It's not an option to miss that. And so what's gonna to happen to you when you die? And you know what they say? Every time? He will forgive me. He will have grace. I'm like, really? Well, that's great. That's that's great for me. And and they say, What do you mean? I said, Well, what that means for me is that I can continue trusting in Jesus, and if I'm right, I go to heaven. And if I'm wrong and your God is right, he'll just forgive me. And said, no, no, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Why not? If you can violate your God's laws and he'll just forgive you, why can't I violate your God's laws and he'll just forgive me? He's unjust if he forgives you after you violated his laws. You have an unjust God. It's not, it's not just, and, and, and the example I always use, if you have a man who has committed a murder and they have all the evidence against him and they have him in the courtroom and he says, You know what? Ugh, forgive me. It's the only murder I've ever committed. I won't do it again. Just, just forgive me. And the judge says, You know, he asked for forgiveness. Let's just let's let him go. Is that justice? That family who lost their family members sitting in that courtroom watching this, you think they're gonna be like, Oh, well, let's just all forgive him and let him go home? No, that's not justice. And if an unjust judge, if an unrighteous judge would not deliver that type of justice or injustice, what do you think the, the, the righteous God of heaven and earth is going to do? He's going to hold you accountable. Unless you have someone who has paid for your sins, Jesus Christ, our Lord. All right, so so that, that's, it's, it's easy to deal with Muslims in that way because uh, it's hypocritical and it's unjust. And, and it's just a trap, so, and they put themselves in it, so it makes it easy. Verse 18, um, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Now, that same gospel, that same gospel of Jesus Christ that reveals the righteousness of God also reveals the wrath of God. Right? It makes very clear what's going to happen to you if, you if you reject Jesus Christ. You are condemned You are on your way to hell. You are going to be subject to the wrath of God. It reveals both. It reveals the righteousness of God and it reveals the wrath of God. And and whichever side you end up on, it's up to you. You can receive righteousness through Jesus Christ or you can receive the wrath of God because you rejected Jesus Christ. It's entirely up to you. And so um, if you hold the truth of the gospel and unrighteousness, you will receive the wrath of God. Uh, You cannot, and you will not stand under the pressure of the wrath of God. It's so, it blows my mind when I hear people, when I see God, I'm going to tell him, no, you're not. You don't know what you're saying. You, you greatly lack a proper fear of God, who he is and what he's going to do to you. Well, I'll, I'll straighten him out. No, no, you're going to stand before a great white throne. And the Bible says when that voice comes out, it's going to sound like thunder. So when the Lord's sitting on that throne and your, your puny little body is before him and he thunders out for you to explain yourself, you're going to have a heart attack and collapse is what you're going to do. And then when the books are open and he starts reading out everything you've done and you need to answer for it, you're not going to tell God anything. You're going to be begging for forgiveness, but it's too late. You trust him now. You don't stand before him and try to reason it out with him or tell him what he needs to hear. It's not going to go that way. And 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 so it's a foolish idea. The wrath of God, the righteousness of God reveals both. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ reveals both the righteousness of God and the wrath of God. Now let's read verse 16 one more time, and then we'll parse this verse together. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone Everyone that is elect. No. Now, if you're a Calvinist, you have a huge problem here, a massive, massive problem. You can either cling to your Calvinism or you can reject it, repent, and trust what God says. It doesn't say anything about someone being elect. It literally says that if you choose to believe this, then you then then you receive the benefits of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. So it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The Greek they're standing in for the Gentile, the, the, the person who's not a Jew. <laughs> Those are your only two options in terms of the flesh. You're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. You're either a Jew or not a Jew. <laughs> That's it. So what about black Gentiles? No, that that that's not an option. A black Gentile is a Gentile. Well, I'm a white Gentile. That that's no that that's that's you trying to subdivide what God didn't subdivide. You're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. That's it. Those are your options. And and the gospel is good for for everybody on in that spectrum, Jew and Gentile. It'd be good to ask yourself: Am I ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Do I align myself with believers throughout history who are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Am I on that side of history? Or or, or have I taken the the path of cowardice, of ease? Now, when you enter the more um, inhospitable areas of this world, will you be bold or will you be ashamed? Not always ask you to go get yourself in trouble and, and test it out, but when put in, when put on the spot, Will you lean towards trusting in Christ and being bold in Christ? Or will you, let me just set this Jesus thing aside just for the moment. I don't don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. No, you're ashamed. You're uncomfortable. Why are you ashamed of the gospel that you claim saved you? That'd be a good question to ask yourself and and to figure out. The gospel of Christ is revealed in this verse as the power of God unto salvation. And throughout the book of Acts, we were given many examples of this far-reaching power. It was not limited by culture, skin color, financial status, or positions of authority. The power of God was able to override all of them. It didn't matter where you came from, what your background was. It didn't matter how rich you were. The gospel of Jesus Christ was available to everyone from 3,000 Jews on the day of Pentecost to Simon, a man who used sorcery in chapter 8, in Acts chapter 8, an Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter 9, an Italian in Acts chapter 10 and 11, And then in chapters 12 through 13, it began to be taken all over the world to every nation, every culture. Paul said by by the end of his life, the gospel would have been preached to, to every creature under the sun. The gospel is for everybody. We don't have white Christians and black Christians and Chinese Christians and American Christians and African Christians. You are either a member of the church of God or you're not. When when you trusted in Jesus Christ, whatever you were in the flesh got left behind. Now you still have to exist in that environment, but you now exist in that environment as a member of the Church of God. We don't go around telling people we're Mississippi Christians, or we're white Christians, or we're Southern Christians, or not, that that's you don't get to add that moniker to the front of the word. You're Christians or you're not. And when I meet a black man who is, who is saved by faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is my brother in Christ. Yeah. There's, there's no difference. We will sit at the same foot of the same throne together, worshiping Jesus Christ. This gospel provides access to everyone, everyone that believeth. There is no other way, there is no other access to this salvation there are no works on your behalf other than trusting in Jesus Christ. Now, let me show you, this is what people say, all right? Now, let me they just, you need to hear me out. We're speaking in very technical terms here, okay? Don't don't lose your mind. Stay with me, and I'll show you from the Bible what we're, what we're about to talk about, all right? It just Before we go, raise your hand if you believe the Bible. Amen. All right, so I just opted you all in to what I'm, I'm about to show you because it's in the Bible, all right? We say, what, what our crowd says, salvation is not of works, right? Well, that's true. But trusting in Jesus Christ is a, no, 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 it is the work. It is something. So we say, there's nothing you can do to be saved. And then you know what the next person you're talking to says? Well, what do I do? And then you say, do this. Well, you just said, there's nothing I can do to be saved. So what, either there's something I can do or there's nothing I can do. Which one is it? All right, now, there are no works. I don't have a list of of religious items for you to accomplish to obtain salvation. But there is one thing required of you to do in order for you to obtain salvation. Does that make sense? Look at Hebrews chapter 4, and I'll show you what I mean. I'll show you what I'm talking about from the Word of God. Hebrews 4. This is very interesting. Now, now in, in Romans 1:16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believeth, right? All right, now, Hebrews 4, listen to this, uh, verses 1 through 3, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to, to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, As well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. Now, again, if you're if you're a Calvinist, you've got a serious problem here. You have two groups of people here, both of whom received the gospel. One group chose to mix the gospel with faith, and it became profitable to them. The other group chose not to mix the gospel with faith, and it didn't work out well for them. So it continues, preached not, uh, did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So they heard it, and they said, no, not, not, not trusting it, not doing it. All right, well, verse 3, for we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. All right. So two groups of people both received the gospel. They heard it. One said, I believe that. I'm trusting that. The other group said, no, don't want it. Well, the ones that believed, that chose to believe, entered into rest. The ones that chose not to believe, you are condemned already. You're just waiting for that day to come. and And it will come. Look at John 6. John 6 is the, the telling passage when it comes to this. It's, it's the most important. You have all these people who argue over repentance. And they say, well, if you require repentance as part of salvation, you're, you're making it a works, a work. Well, salvation is a work. It's the work. Right? It's, you, you are required to make the choice. You have to do that. If you don't do that, then you don't get in. And, and so we're going to show you that here. John 6, verses 23 through 29, verse 22. Um, if I can find it. The day following when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other uh, boat there save the one where into his disciples were entered and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat but that his disciples were gone away alone Howbeit, there came other boats from Tiberias nigh into the into the place where they did eat bread, after that the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum, seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me not, because ye saw the miracles but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. He said, the only reason you're looking for me now is because you want me to give you more food. You want something. You want me to please you temporally. And that's not going to work out. If if, if all you want from Jesus Christ is temporal fulfillment, you're going to be sadly mistaken. That's not why you come to the Lord. You come to the Lord for eternal matters, spiritual matters. And then that can help you. In the temporal, that can help you here and now, but, but he's not here to load you with bread and make you happy, fat, and, 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 and you know, just, just, he's not here to, he's not your genie in a bottle. Verse 27 labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do? Isn't that the question? Somebody gets to the point, they want to be saved, and and they say, what do we do? And you say, well, there's nothing you can do. Just go home and die and go to hell. No. We, we play these word games who say there's nothing you can do to be saved. And then they say, well, what do I do? And we say, do this. <laughs> you just said there's nothing I can do. I asked you what to do, and you said do this. All right, so we want to put it in proper perspective and and make sure we're we're saying it right labor not for the meat which perisheth but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life which the son of man shall give unto you for him hath god the father sealed then said they unto him what shall we do that we might work the works of god now listen very carefully to jesus answer verse 29 jesus answered and said unto them this is the work of god all right now not, not here are the works in order to obtain salvation. Here is the work of God. The only thing that you can do. This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. That's it. All right, so we're not talking about a works-based salvation, but, but there is something required of you to participate. God said, my son finished the works. He did that. You're going to trust in his finished work. The only work you can do is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. There's nothing else available to you. And God said that is the work of God. So when you go to Ephesians and it says, not of works, lest any man should boast. Well, that's what the Lord's talking about. You're not going to come to heaven and say, Lord, look, look what I did. Look at all these things that I accomplished in your name. And the Lord's gonna say, That's great. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. That was not what I told you to do. I told you to trust my son. And you chose to go and do a bunch of religious works. Big mistake. And so we wanna trust in Jesus Christ. We wanna do it the way God says. Salvation is not of works. That is, we are not offering a, a religious system of works that will hopefully help you win God over unto salvation. Abu Bakr is considered the greatest Muslim to ever live. On his deathbed, he said, I have no idea what God's going to do to me. I always point that out to Muslims when I'm witnessing to them, and, and they know who he is. And I'll ask them, are you a better Muslim than Abu Bakr? And they'll say, no, no, not, not even close. When he died he had no idea what God was going to do to him. He was terrified on his deathbed. What's going to happen to you? And now if your answer is, "Well, God will be gracious." No problem. He'll be gracious with me too. <laughs> He'll be gracious with everybody. We're all going to we're all going to Allah's paradise. Nobody's going to be excluded because apparently there are, there are no requirements to get there. He'll just forgive you at the door and you'll be okay. That's not how it works. Trying to work your way to heaven would be a fool's errand. It's not going to work out for you. It's not going to go well. But God said salvation requires one work, the work that you believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Don't don't labor for that meat that perisheth. When you try to establish a works-based religion, that's what you're doing. Working your way to heaven will in the end help you to perish. But the work of God... Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ will give you access to the power of God unto salvation. Now, this this power of God, sin is so damning, there is only one power available to relieve you of your deserved damnation. You can't get you out of it. Only God can do that, and he can only do it through the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no other way. There's no other option. Um... Don't try to figure out some other means to get into heaven. It's just not going to happen. You can build a tower. You can start a religion. You do whatever you want. It's not going to work out. The only way, Jesus said, anybody who tries to come through some other door is a thief and a robber. Is a thief and a murderer. Don't, Don't go with him. I am the door. I am the way. There's no other way. Don't 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 be misled, don't be fooled. The Son of God endured the wrath of God on our part for our salvation. You think you're gonna do better than that? You think you're gonna add to that or offer something and that, that would make God God looks down and says, Look at what my son endured for me. You better trust him, or I will cast you into hell. And then you show up and say, Yeah, but look what I did. I don't recommend that. I recommend saying, yeah, let's just t- toss this in the trash and trust in the Son of God. That'd be the proper route to take. I, I, would, I would hate to be that person who shows up and say, yeah, I, know, I know you're happy about what your son did. It was pretty good, but I mean, have you seen what I've done? And that's, what, that's essentially what you're saying. You might not word it that way, but that is what you're saying. That's what you're doing. And, and, and you don't want to toy with God in that way. That would not go well for you. Um, it is then foolish to think you can add something to salvation through your works or goodness. If belief is the requirement, then it follows that a mindful person is required. Not a baby. You don't, you don't get born and then sprinkled with water on the eighth day and now you're saved. That's not how it works. It has to be a. My, right, we have an issue right now with our daughter. She swears up and down she's trusted in Jesus Christ. Well, praise the Lord. But we can't encourage her in that, and we can't discourage her in that. She has to work that out. Now her mother was saved when she was four years old, so it's very possible. But I, I can't discourage it, or 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 I, you know, I, I don't know what. Sometimes, sometimes her mind is. is is so, sometimes her mindset is dead on. She knows exactly what she's saying. Sometimes her mindset is that of a three-year-old. And so we're like, well, <laughs> which one is it? We don't know. So you just have to be careful. And, and, and it, it, it requires a person who has to hear the gospel and make a choice. They have to be able to make a proper decision. And it's, it's essential, it's important to take time with people and let them come to that conclusion and make that decision. Well, I can guarantee you a, a newborn baby is not making that decision. They've made no decision whatsoever. You did that to them. They did not choose to do that to themselves. Right. And, and so there's no chance that they, that they are saved. Um, and then, of course, Ephesians 1, verses 12 through 14, um, we, we've looked at it before. We'll look at it again, actually, this evening. Um, they heard, then they chose to believe. Same thing in Hebrews 4. What We just read in Hebrews 4. We pre- somebody preached the gospel to them. One group chose to believe. The other group chose not to believe. And so it's, it's important to be very careful about those things. And then finally, he says to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Turn to Romans 3, Romans chapter 3. And let's read verses 9 through 20 together and see what God thinks about man. But now remember, he said the gospels to the Jew first, also to the Greek. That's the Jew and the Gentile. Now, that's not a required order, right? That's just how it worked out because the Lord gave the gospel to a group of Jews in Jerusalem, so it began with the Jews. And throughout history, the Bible says, actually it says, um, is that in verse 3 or chapter 3? Yeah, so let's read verses 1 and 2 real fast. What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. Now, the only advantage the Jews have had is that they received the oral word of God throughout history. God gave it to the Jews. The Jews were supposed to take it to the world, and they didn't. That what they did is said, ha ha, we've got the word of God. Look how great we are. Like, yeah, but you're supposed to share that with the rest of the world. We're not sharing it, it's mine. And so it became a disaster, and God had to deal with them accordingly. Now, but, but let's read what God says about, about this idea in verses 9 through 20 and what God thinks about man in verses 9 through 20. What then? Are we better than they? No, and no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. So who does that exclude? Nobody. That's Everybody. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Jew or Gentile. So then who needs the gospel? Jews and Gentiles. Everybody. Now, there's a famous preacher. This is named John Hagee, I think. He teaches that you should not preach the gospel to the Jews. That they don't need it. That they're all just going to end up being saved in the end, and, and so there's no need to give the gospel to the Jews. That's not. You will not get that from your Bible. God is very clear. In fact, where is the first place the Apostle Paul, every time he went to preach the gospel? To the Jews in the synagogue. Why is he doing that if they don't need the gospel? Why is that a pattern for us to follow if they don't need the gospel? All right, so God said, everybody who is under sin needs the gospel. Now, this is what, I want to get this idea in your head before we read these next few verses. The world today thinks God is some happy teddy bear up in the sky who thinks everything that we do is wonderful and okay. He's not angry. He's not unhappy. He just loves us. In fact, God is just so grateful that he gets to be a part of our lives if we allow it. That's the mentality. Right. So then when I come along and I read Romans 3 to them and tell them what God really thinks about man, they lose their minds and think that I'm a bigot and a horrible person. No, you're confused. I'm not a bigot. I'm not horrible. I'm trying to help you see what you really are and help you escape it through Jesus Christ. I'm not just trying to hurt you or harm you or make you or upset you. I want you to come to the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but that starts with understanding why he had to die. Because of you. Well, not me. I mean, God thinks I'm wonderful. No, he doesn't. And I've told you, there's a billboard in Orlando, right on the interstate, that said, God sees you and he loves what he sees. Well, that sounds wonderful. And when a pedophile rides by and reads that and says, well, God sees me and loves what he sees. And when a murderer and a drug, and a drug dealer drive by and they see that and they say, well, God just loves what he sees. I might as well just keep doing what I'm doing. It's not right. Now, let's, let's see what God really thinks about man. Let's read the rest of the chapter or the rest of the verse. Uh, verses 10 down through 20, verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Well, that's not good. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Well, I think I'm a good person. God doesn't. It's always easy to think you're a good person because what you do is you think of the worst in our society and compare yourself to that. Compared to Hitler, I'm doing really good. Compared to the last young man that shot up in elementary school, I'm doing great. But that's not what you're supposed to compare yourself to. You're supposed to compare yourself to Jesus Christ. Compared to Jesus Christ, I'm doing horrible. And so are you. Right now... Verse 13, their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of ass was under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. This is what God thinks of man, Jews and Gentiles. Verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. When I see God, I'm going to tell him, yeah. There is no fear of God before your eyes. You don't know what you're saying right now. And and you you, you might want to watch it. Verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, that saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Now that's interesting. If the law was a means of salvation, why is God saying here that everyone under the law... It was used to make sure that every mouth was stopped and that the entire world became guilty before God. The purpose of the law was to demonstrate your guilt. It was not to provide you a way of salvation. You want to prove it further? Look at verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law reveals your sinful condition. It reveals your need for Jesus Christ. That's what the law does. It does not provide you a way to have your sins forgiven. It demonstrates your sin. It proves your sin. That's what the law does. That's the entire purpose. So we already discussed that Peter took the gospel to to the Jews first. Then the Lord instructed him to go further to the Gentiles. Now, Paul and Gentile nations would begin with the Jews and then go to, to, out to the Gentiles. It's important to know these realities are not taught as requirements. That is just the way the apostle handled it. It's just the way things worked out. The Lord said, I have proven that Jews and Gentiles are all under sin. What is the solution for a person who is under sin? The gospel of Jesus Christ. It is good for the Jew. It is good for the Gentile. And if the people who have it are ashamed of it, how will it get there? Yeah. It's not. It's dead on arrival. It's up to us to get the gospel out to the world and to give it to, this need, to these needy people who need the Lord Jesus Christ. But if, you're, if, you're, if you cower away because you're ashamed, it's not going to go. It's not going to get there. And what a terrible thing that would be for us to waste the opportunities we have to get the gospel to people who need it. Lord, thank you for your your son. Thank you for what he's done on the cross. Thank you for your word. Help it to encourage us. Help it to embolden us. And uh, Lord, as we learn more and more of what your word has to say and it builds a foundation in our lives, Lord, help it to strengthen us and and, uh, encourage us even more to go out and tell people about Jesus Christ. What a joy it is to see souls repent and trust in the Lord and get their lives right and changed and turned around and and their souls saved for all eternity because and we could have some little part in that if we would just be bold and tell people about the Lord and, uh, Lord you don't ask much from us uh, but you have asked that and pray that you'd help us and guide us and lead us pray you give us wisdom give us understanding help us to do what you'd have us to do and we'll sure glorify you in Christ's name we pray Amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.pleniusredemption.com. You can hear more Plenius Redemption podcast audio at www.pleniusredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.